You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. We're going to finish up this series this morning, but before we, before we jump into today's stuff, I want to just do a, a recap of our core values, the rhythms that we're going to add into our life this year, and not just this year, right? We want these rhythms to continue on throughout our life. So number one is we talked about intimate worship, and we believe that intimate worship is important because God is worthy of our worship, amen? God is a God who is worthy of us responding with everything that we are to all that He is. And then in week two, we got to talk about meaningful community. Now, I'm going to throw another plug out. I do this a lot. But we are seeing that community take place here in an in a organized, somewhat organized fashion on Wednesday night, right? So we're having our, our life groups that meet. We're doing life together. We're getting to dive into Scripture and see what it means to, to be a Christ follower, to be in God's kingdom. And, man, we get to do that together. And we get to talk, and we get to share things, and people get to open up. And sometimes that's scary, and sometimes people don't want to do it. And that's okay, but guess what happens? As we get comfortable with one another, and we begin to truly do life together, and we have this community that's meaningful then we begin to really share things about our life and we begin to walk with one another in that. Man, and I can't walk in this life by myself. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, if I didn't have my wife, life would be rough for me. Like she is, she's just amazing and she knows everything. So even if she doesn't know it, she knows it, right? You know what I'm talking about. Like She just knows everything. She tells me what to do all the time. And a lot of times I listen because she is the smartest person in the world. And then after meaningful community, we got to look at purposeful discipleship. And we saw that being a disciple really just means being a follower. We're, we're a follower of Jesus. We're not just someone who says, hey, you know what? I'm, I said a prayer one day and I'm a Christian. No, we are following after Jesus. And that's what discipleship is and it's growing in that and it's being intentional about that it's becoming more and more and more like jesus and then so then last week we got to talk about abundant generosity and abundant generosity is is one of our man it's just one of the things we talk about a lot here not because I'm trying to get you to give money to Impact Church is because Impact Church is abundantly generous to our community because we believe that God is going to move on the generosity of an ordinary church. And you may be thinking, well, I know the people in this room and this is not an ordinary church. This is a weird church. And I'm cool with that. I'm cool being weird, right? So we are imperfect people engaging in perfect God. Amen, that's who we are. We're all imperfect people engaging a God who is perfect. And there's families in here that's like, yeah, man, I'm not normal. Like, I'm just, my family's jacked up. Praise God for that. Because then he gets to do work in your family and just, man, he gets all the glory for that. My family's not perfect. And if you know, 
this is not. But man, I love them, and God is working in my family like never before. And that is just something that I'm grateful for each and every day. But we get to be abundantly generous as a church, and we got to see how God really uses the generosity of ordinary people to do what? To stir an entire city. Man, to, to, to just mess up an entire city for his sake, for his glory. See, revival, we hear that, that's a church word, right? Revival, it's not something that just happens at a church. Revival is something that God does. And because he's moving in a community, we get to say, hey, look at this community being revived for God, by God, because of God. And he's using the generosity of ordinary people to do that. And if you're if you're smart, unlike me, a lot of times, you will understand that, well, this is the last week of this series, but there's two more letters left in impact. I don't know how how many of you have thought about that. One? Okay, great. Man, I, that's why I love this church. So there's two more letters left, but this is the last week. So what, what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to touch on C this morning. And, so, and C is courageous testimony. And that's what we're going to talk about mostly today. And then at the end of this message today, we're going we're gonna to talk about the T core values. And we're going to see how all of these line up to make us more like Jesus. Because if we really want to be the Christ followers that He's called us to be, then our responsibility is to remain and abide in Him. And then we get to bear the fruit of the Spirit in our life each and every day. So, I want to read something to you. How many of you have ever shared your testimony before? How? Anybody? Okay, cool. So testimony, is, we're just going to say story, okay? It's, it's your story, it's what God's done in your life. And a lot of people are like, man, yeah, I really, I really don't like talking to people. I don't even like people, right? So, I mean, I get it. So we have people in the back like, hey, man, I don't like people. So that's why he sits in the back. Here's the important part of this, is that when we have a story, when we have something that God's done in our life, it is nearly impossible to not want to share that with other people. And there's multiple reasons. But the main reason that I can think of is that we understand what it's like to live life without Christ, and then we understand what it's like to live life with Christ. And when we know people who are living life outside of Christ, we understand how beautiful it is on the other side. And if we really care about people, then there should be no reason that we don't share our story. However, that's just usually not the case. A lot of times we are too afraid. We're too uncomfortable. We don't think we're the right person to do the job. So, the prayer for this morning is that when we leave this place, we're all in a, in a state of trusting God to do work through us and through the story that He's created in our life. I'm going to read two verses to you really quick. Philemon 1.6 says this, And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake 
of Christ. Here, here is what is being said here. Is that I really want you to understand what God has done in your life. Everything good that you have is from Him. And because of that, I want you to be able to share that faith with other people. Now some of you, you may think that God really hasn't given you a lot of good stuff. But if we could just sit down and think, man, and we could just start listing things off, we can see all the blessings of God in our life. Whether that's physically, relationally, spiritually, we can see the blessings of God in our life. And what we should be able to do is understand that, man, everything in my life that is good comes from God, and I want to be able to share this. First, I have to understand that God is producing things in my life, that God is working in my life. And when I understand that, it's easy for me to start telling other people about the good things that God has done. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 1, we see a popular verse, but a lot of people stop with just verse 7. And I want us to read verse 7, and then I want us to read verse 8 together. For God gave us a spirit, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. That's a verse everybody talks about all the time. Here's verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Here's the thing. People were using this verse a lot when COVID first hit, right? There were faith over fear. There were crosses everywhere. I'm cool with that. I had a cross. I don't think it said faith over fear, but it meant that. And they used this verse that, hey, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us He gave us a spirit of, of just power, of, of self-mind, or sound mind. He gave us a spirit that, that's just not timid. But then if you continue to read in verse 8, you see that that spirit is so that you're not ashamed to share the gospel. That you're not ashamed to share your testimony, your story that's been worked and that's continuing to be written in your life. Because as you sit here in this place, I want you to understand something. The story is not over. The story is not over. God is still writing. He's still working. He's still moving. He's still God. Man, that's something to share. It's something to talk about. And there's a lot of different reasons that we don't talk about it. And what I want us to do is, first of all, I'm going to share a story with you about my life. And then I'm going to I'm going to give us some really practical ways that we can share our story with people, because I, I think that it would be beneficial for us to to have some kind of steps to take. Instead of just going at it and saying, here we go. Good luck. I'm going for it. That's good. Do that. But I'll, I'm going to give you some steps that may maybe help. Right. That may can help us to, to not be as uncomfortable or to not put so much pressure on ourselves. If you were with us this time last year, we we talked about something really impactful here, and it was the fact that these processes and systems and technology, they don't produce conviction, right? The Spirit of God produces conviction. 
So we don't trust in the processes and the systems. And just to give you an example of that, our Facebook Live is just messed up on us this morning. And it does that a lot um, because we're in a school and we're having to work through all kinds of issues all the time. But guess what? Facebook Live doesn't produce conviction. The Spirit of God produces conviction. So we're going to see that it's not up to you to produce the conviction. It's up to you to share your story. And then we trust the Spirit of God to do what the Spirit of God does. So I was at a youth camp one time a long time ago before the gray in the beard. I don't even think I had a beard when I went. And this was right before my senior year of high school. And man, if you knew me back in high school, man, praise God that you're still my friend. I appreciate you sticking with me through that. But if you, if you knew me, so I thought I was pretty cool, right? Um, and I probably was, but I really, I really thought that I was. I was, I was an athlete. I played baseball and man, I just, I had a lot of, a lot of friends, really popular. I was pretty smart. Um, I did go to Cross Creek. So, I mean, you take that for what you will. But I remember being at this camp and the, the camp pastor was, uh, a guy who had played baseball in college, and obviously that was just my aspiration. I wanted to play college baseball. And he shared his story with us. And there's a lot of people, a lot of students, uh, probably two or 3,000 students here in this room. And he shared a story about his life, and he was talking about idols in his life. And he realized that growing up in high school that baseball had become an idol for him. That as he was going through life, instead of focusing on Jesus and trying to figure out what God had planned for his life, his main focus was on baseball. And I realized in that moment, man, that, that's me. Like, that's what I care about the most. And I really want to, I, I know I'm not good enough to go past college, but man, I would love to play in college. I could tell people I played in college. And then, man, once you, once you get out of college and tell people, they're like, yeah, that's cool. So it really wasn't even a big deal. But when you're in high school, right, it's a big deal. That's what you want to do. But I realized in this moment, man, that's an idol for me. And because he was willing to share his story of laying down baseball, and he did that, he laid it down, and God still gave him a scholarship to play baseball at the University of Alabama. I don't know why anybody would ever want to go there. Um, Georgia just beat them. By the way, a few weeks ago, if you didn't know that, the national championship game, go dogs, right? So he played baseball there. Not sure why he wanted to go there, but that's where he went. And then God just continued to work in his life, and he only played baseball for one year there, and he gave it back up, and he became a, a pastor. And he began to work with youth and students. And, man, that just resonated with me because here's this guy's story that really my life is on the same trajectory as his. And because he shared his story, he could have used no scripture and it still would have resonated with me. Right. But because he used scripture in his story to talk about idols and to talk about how we should focus on God and how God has a plan for our life. Man, the, the power of the word of God through his story. Man, it just did something to my heart. So I went home and what I did not do is right away say I'm not playing baseball anymore but I did make that decision eventually so my senior year of high school I did not play baseball for the high school team I played a little bit of travel ball I played in some tournaments just some different things 
And I started to focus on what God wanted me to do in my life. And I knew in that moment that he was calling me to student ministry. I had worked with the students at my church for a long time, and I just knew that that's what God wanted me to do. And I've told you this before, but I was really going to be the next Louis Giglio, right? And I don't, if you don't know him, you can look him up. He was a big-time youth conference uh, pastor when I was coming up, and I was like, yeah, that's going to be me. I'm going to speak at all these conferences. It's going to be awesome. And that's, I've never spoken at a conference. So God had other plans for me. But I knew that God was calling me to do that, and I knew that my focus needed to shift to that. And then I still got the opportunity to play baseball in college. God allowed me to do that. He, he sent me to a Christian college, and I played baseball there for a year. And, man, the school was great. I met some good people. We've talked about the school before. We had chapel every day, and I skipped it almost every day. But, man, when I went, God would work through that campus pastor like crazy in my heart. And, man, that was a turning point in my life because I, I realized that, Man, first of all, I'm not good enough to play past this at all. These people that I'm playing against, they're really good at baseball, and I'm not. Like, I, I thought I was, but I'm really not that good. But also, I got to be surrounded by these professors who love Jesus. These professors who, man, they were committing their life to teaching the Bible. And then I, went, I only went there for a year. I came back home. But it was all because of this story that this camp pastor that I've never seen again, he was willing to share his story with a group of 2,000 teenagers. A lot of who didn't even care about baseball at all. But there was one in that crowd, at least one that did. And it was me. And because of his story, man, my life just, it, it changed. And there's power in telling stories. There's just there's power in it. There's something special about being able to tell stories. There's a there's a Bible app. How many of you have the the YouVersion app, the Bible? Most people do. So a, a church in Oklahoma created this. They give it away for free. They've had man millions and millions of downloads for this app. But it wasn't just to get the Bible in people's hands. So what they wanted was they. Their, their vision, what God told them to do was to want to get the Bible in, in people's hands that have never seen the Bible in their own language. And what, what they did is they didn't just come up and say, hey, this is important. I really want you to, to give to this or I want you to help with this. It, it's going to be special. And then walk off. No, what they did is they, they showed people the impact that it was having. They would video people from these other countries that would read the Bible for the first time in their own language. Who would get excited and who would just be bawling because they could finally have Scripture in their language. And that, that story is so powerful because it's real life and it's something that's happened and it's something that God's doing. And your story is the same way. Your story is so impactful to someone if you're willing to share. And some of you may have a really, 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 really bad story. And some of you may think, my story is pretty boring. But everybody's story is important. 
Everybody has something that God has done in their life. Man, and that's special. That the Creator of the universe, He's so big, yet He's so near to each of us that He cares enough to do work in your life, to do work in my life. He's not just some big Creator God that says, yeah, I don't really, man, good luck. I love you. Man, I hope you do well in life. And then He disappears. He's a Creator God that's so big that He can handle anything, but also so near that He cares about you. And that He knows every thought in your mind and on your heart every single day that you wake up. So I want to ask you, do you think that your story is worth sharing? And no matter what your answer is, the correct answer is yes. It is worth sharing. And there's going to be different parts of your story that you share with different people. But your story is worth sharing. And we're going to look at a, at a lady here in Scripture. And this is a, it's a common story. It's the woman at the well. But man, a lot of times we stop when we see that Jesus, Jesus talks to her. And so here's the context of this story. So Jesus is... He's he's getting he's done with some teaching and some different stuff, and he's just going to kind of get some rest. So he goes to this well. Here's a woman at the well, and Jesus is like, "Hey, we, you know, what are you doing?" Well, they have a conversation, and we stop at the story because Jesus says, "Hey, if you drink of the living water, you won't be thirsty anymore." Right? I am the I am the living water, and this woman's like, "Well, I want some of that water. I don't want to be thirsty anymore." And man, that's a good story, and we talk about that. We've actually talked about that here. But I think what happens towards the end of this story is something that we can't miss. Because we see that as this conversation is happening, Jesus says, So, where, you know, go get your husband. And she's like, Well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus is like, You're right, you don't have a husband. You've had this many husbands, and the one you're with now is not even your husband. So he's pretty much calling out some sin in her life. And she's like, oh, wow. Man, I wouldn't recommend you doing that to a random lady, right? But Jesus is calling out some sin. And she's like, hey, I believe that, I believe that this, is, this is the Messiah. And then the disciples come back. And man, I can just imagine these disciples are like, why is Jesus talking to this girl? Like, everybody knows what kind of person this is. And I could just imagine in the, the religious mindset of these guys, like, why is he talking to her? Does he not know who she is? And here's the amazing part. He knew exactly who she was, and he still talked to her. Because he loved her. No matter what you've done in your life, He loves you. And you may think, man, I'm not worthy for Him to talk to. And He says, hey, I made you in my image. And I love you and I want to redeem you. I don't care what you've done. I still want you to be a part of my family. And when the disciples come back, we're going to pick up here in verse 28 of John chapter 4. It says, so the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming 
to him. And then we're going to, the disciples, they, they start talking, and then we'll jump down to verse 39. It says, Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. So here's, here's what's going on. This woman runs back and tells people, man, come meet this guy. Come meet this guy that just told me everything about me. Could this really be the Christ? Could this be the Messiah? And it says some of them believed right then and they, they ran. Others, they didn't believe at first, but then they heard Jesus and then they believed. So what does all this mean for us? I just want to give you four really quick things that I think we can do to share our story. Number one is this. We tell about our life B.C. So before Christ. Tell people about your life before Christ. What kind of life did you live? And some of you are like, yeah, I'm not sure that people want to know about that life. But hey, that's that's the truth. That's reality. Think about this woman. Let's let's read those verses actually. So John 4, 17 and 18 says this. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. You're right, you don't have a husband. You've had a lot of husbands. And the dude you're with now, he ain't even your husband. This is her life before Christ. And everybody knew this about her. And some of you, maybe your life before Christ is, was bad. Maybe your life before Christ was, was full of, of addiction. Maybe your life before Christ was, was full of, of anger was full of unforgiveness, was full of resentment. Maybe your life before Christ was full of abuse and, and just all kinds of craziness in your life. Or maybe your life before Christ was just a normal life where you grew up in church. You don't, you don't think you did a whole lot of, of bad stuff. You followed the rules. You were home before the streetlights came on every night. Everything was good. But you didn't know Jesus. See, it doesn't matter what the story is, it's worth sharing with people the life before Christ because then guess what? You get to share the life after you met Jesus. And that's the hope people are looking for because there's people who are living the same life that you lived before Christ and they're living it right now. And the same hope that you were looking for, the same hope that you needed, the same hope that you received, they're searching for that. And you may be the one when you share your story that it resonates with them. And the Spirit of God works through your story to change someone's life forever. Tell about your life, BC. Number two is this, point them to Jesus. 
point them to Jesus. This is what we can never do. We can never tell our story wanting people to look at us. Because it's not about us. Our job is to point people to Jesus. When I do pre-marriage, uh, premarital counseling, man, one of the things we talk about is conflict resolution. And man, it's, it's one of my favorite things to talk about because for one, a lot of couples are like, we don't have conflict. Yeah, right, man. You do have conflict. And you're going to have way more conflict when you get married. It just happens. Right? We're starting a relationship series next week. So come back for that. It's going to be great. You're going to hear some good personal stories. But man, conflict resolution, and we make it biblical, and we talk about it. And this is what I tell them. Hey, my job isn't to come up with an answer. My job is to facilitate both of you up towards Jesus. Like, that's my job as the counselor. It's not to, to try to find the answer. It's not to try to solve their problem. It's to help them get closer to Jesus. It's to look upward. And that's our job as Christ followers when we share our story. It's not so people look at us and say, man, look how amazing he is now. Look how bad he was. Look how great he is. No, it's look how dead he was. And now look how alive he is because of Jesus. Our job is to point people to him. Man, and to me, no one represented this better than the Apostle Paul in Scripture. That he always pointed people to Jesus. In Philippians 1.20, it says this, As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Man, his whole goal was for people to see Jesus. That Christ would be honored with the way that he lived his life, whether he stayed alive or whether he was killed. He wanted Christ to be honored. When you share your story with people, point them to the Savior. They should not be looking at us. Man, and as a pastor, as I share the Scripture and I share my story, my heart is not for you to ever see me, but to always focus on the Savior of the world. Because I promise you, if you try to put your faith in me, man, I will let you down at some point. I will make you mad. I will offend you. There will be something that I do as a human that will let you down. But man, if you put your faith in Jesus, He will never, ever let you down. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And that's what we want the world to know. We want to point them to Jesus. Number three is this. We trust God's Word to work. We trust God's Word to work. So I want you to hear this. And I don't want this to deter you from sharing your story, but I want you to know that there's no spiritual authority in your story. Right? There's no, your, your story doesn't have authority over people. The Word of God has authority over people. So as you begin to share your story, then the, the Word of God, Scripture, faith begins to, to take hold, and then that's what has authority. That's what does the work. It's not that you're doing the work. It's not that I'm doing the work. It's not that our personal stories are actually doing the work, 
It's that God's word, the spirit of God is doing the work. And we trust that. We trust that his word is active. His spirit is active. And he's going to work through our story to change lives. Scripture has authority. In 1 Thessalonians 2.13 it says this, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. The word of God is working within you as Christ followers. The Spirit of God is working within you as Christ followers. And because of that, that is working in other people as you share your story. Trust God's Word to work. And then this is the last thing. Expect God to use you. And I think this is, this is where we, we kind of get hung up a lot of times. And we're going to close here with this and then we're going to jump into the last letter of these core values. But man, expect God to use you. I want you to understand something this morning. That God specializes in using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And you may be sitting in this room saying, man, I just, God would never use me. If you knew what kind of person I was, you would understand that He would never use me. If you knew my past, you would understand that He would never use me. We have a lady here who had been married five times, who was living in sin in a relationship with a guy that wasn't her husband. She comes to know Jesus, and He uses her to reach people with the Gospel. Never think that He can't use you. Because He can, and He will, and we should expect Him to. We have relationships in our life, in our, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, at school, at the gym, wherever we go. God is going to use you if you allow Him to do so. And we have to expect it. And man, it, it can be scary. It can be really scary to begin to share our story with someone else. Because we don't know what their response is going to be. We don't know what they're going to think about us. We don't know. There's just a lot of unknown. But this is what we do know, that our story matters. That we're trusting God's Word to work. And that we're expecting Him to use us however He wants to use us. And then all the unknowns don't really matter anymore. Because there was a time that you needed someone to share their story with you. And there's, there's meetings all the time that happen around our area, right? There's, there's AA meetings, there's NA meetings, there's, there's a lot of different meetings for um, single moms, there's stuff if, if you lost a kid, there's, you know, there's, there's just a bunch of different support groups. And what they do... And those groups is what they share their stories with one another. And by sharing their stories with one another, people begin to grow. It's meaningful community taking place as we share our story with people. Man, your story matters. 
Because if you're a Christ follower, here's the truth. This is what it all boils down to. Is that you were dead in sin. Is that you had fallen short of the glory of God. Is that you were born into this world as a sinner. And because of that sin, you were separated from a God who loved you and who wanted you to be redeemed back to himself. You were on your way to an eternity spent in hell, separated from him. But because he loved us enough, while we were still in that sin, he sent Jesus to die for us. And once you began a relationship with him, you are now redeemed. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You've been adopted into the family of God by the Spirit of God. Your story is this, that you were dead in sin, and now you're alive in Jesus. And there's no better story in all of humanity than God redeeming us and bringing us back to himself. That's your story as a Christ follower. And that story is worth sharing. And if you're not sharing your story, man, my my plea to you, my prayer for you is that you begin to share. And I'm not telling you to take the Bible and go Kung Fu Panda on people, right? I'm not saying that. I'm telling you to just tell people what God's done in your life. But don't miss this. The way that you live life better line up with the story that you tell. Because so often we want to tell people what God's done and we want to tell people how they should live life while we do that none. While we're not following after Jesus at all. And I'm not telling you that you have to be perfect. I'm telling you that, man, with all these rhythms, we should be living a lifestyle of worship. We should be living in community. We should have intentional discipleship happening in our lives. We should be getting closer and closer to Jesus. We should be abundantly generous, giving of our finances, giving of our time, giving of our talent to serve the kingdom of God. And as we do that, we begin to share our story and our story lines up with the way that we're living. It's so important for us to be ambassadors for Christ. We're called to be ambassadors for Him. And we could be ambassadors for a lot of things in this world. And a lot of times we are. And we share stuff on Facebook or uh, Instagram. I don't even know how to share stuff on Instagram. We share stuff on Facebook and we, we just, we're really ambassadors for certain things. And I'm not saying that you can't be. What I'm saying is that you should primarily be an ambassador for Jesus. Is that that should be your top priority. As a child of God, we should be pointing people to Jesus. By the story that we share and by the life that we live. And and this really just bumps us straight into this this last rhythm. And we're not going to spend much time on this at all, and I think it's on the screen. But, man, it's, it starts with a T. It's the last letter of impact. But tenacious shepherding. 
Now, we believe in shepherding the next generation here like crazy. And how can we do that? We do that by sharing our story with the next generation. We do that by allowing God's word to work through our story, just through his power in the next generation. Because we believe that the next generation is going to be the generation that impacts this world for Jesus like no other generation before. We believe that. And we want to pour into them. And we're going to be tenacious about it. We're not going to stop. We care about the next generation. We care about our babies. We care about our toddlers. We care about preschool. We care about elementary. We care about middle school. We care about high school. We care about college age. We care about the next generation because the next generation will lead better than us. And what a role we get to play in that. We get to develop the next generation. We get to lead them. We get to show them what it means to follow Jesus. And we won't stop. We will fight for the next generation at this church. I want you to be a part of that. I want you to fight for the next generation. I'm not saying our generation isn't important. We're going to fight for our generation too. But man, we care about these these kids. We care about these teenagers. And they're facing things that we never had to face. Man, the the enemy is, is throwing things at them like never before. They're being bombarded with who they should be, what they should look like, their value, their worth. And here's the truth, their value is found in Jesus. And we as the church, we have to show them that their value is found in Jesus. We have to, we have to live that out. We have to be intentional about it. We have to fight for them when they can't fight for themselves. And we will not stop fighting for the next generation. Nothing will stop us. Because we're standing on the proclamation that Jesus is who he said he is. And man, he told us the gates of hell would not prevail against this movement. The movement of his church that called out once. We're not going to let the enemy win. We said this in life group, but man, we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. We already have it. We're not fighting for it. We're fighting because we already have the victory. Man, and we're here to, to proclaim over the next generation that you are victorious in Jesus. And I don't care what this world says about you. Jesus says that you're loved. Jesus says that you're beautiful. Jesus says that you're a masterpiece created in his image. You are worthy. And you are needed. And he wants to use you to change the world. And let's be bold in sharing our story with the next generation and with all those that God has put in our life. Some of you have family members that are on their way to hell that you've never shared your story with. Some of you have co-workers that you know just need to hear that little bit of hope 
but you're too scared. Man, I want to pray strength and boldness over you this morning. And let's be, let's be a church. Let's be a people that can't shut up about the good news of Jesus. And let's live it out. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.